You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And you know what I did? So for this Jake game, here's the here's how this works. 7 o'clock game. I'm now in North Carolina. I'm at the beach house that we have. I start the game live. We've got a, a house that has a pool, and I'm sitting at a stool while everybody's in the pool. And I got the game on. I got my scorebook out, and I got my drinks going. And I tell my wife, I say, listen, hon, it's no big deal. You want me to jump in that pool anytime? I'm just going to pause the game. So I watch this game while pausing it, I'd say every 15 minutes, to jump in the pool, swim with the kids, make out with my wife, come back. The, the kids aren't watching when that happens, obviously. Come back in, watch the game, two innings. Okay, pause the game, go for a walk on the beach, come back, pause the game. So <laughs> this DeGrom game was fantastic. I was, I was doing like 150 things as it was happening, but I never missed a pitch. And my, oh, my, when he throws those sliders, I just want to rip my clothes off. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just saying that because I'm sure Jerry Recco's listening and is like, oh, can you believe I haven't said that? I'm just effing around. I'm half drunk, Jerry, all right? I'm not fully drunk anymore. I'm like half because I got the water pouring. Anyhow, when Jacob DeGrom pitches, Pete, it's unbelievable. Like watching this man work is one of the most beautiful things you could ever see as a baseball fan. Like, and look, the velocity is a little scary, but I think we just have to accept it. He is like a technician on the mound. And his stuff and his pinpoint command and just... Everything about it, the, look, the only negative, and I don't know when this is going to end, and I think it's worth discussing, obviously, is when do they allow him to pitch more than what we saw Saturday? Because the Mets played a risky game. They're up one nothing. They get the run early on the big Pete Alonso two-out hit. He's been doing that all season long. And Jake is Jake's Jake. He's obviously great. They get how many base runners against him? Two base runners against him. And he's at 76 pitches, and they pull him with the heart of the order coming up in the seventh inning. You have a one-run lead. you got to get nine outs. Your bullpen, even though, look, Seth Lugo's been good. Adam Adovino's been good. Obviously, Diaz has been locked down. You still don't fully trust it. I, I'm not mad, because what am I mad at? I know they have to be careful with Jake. But I guess I'm just wondering at this point, when are they going to allow him to throw 95 pitches and push him or is the attitude going to be look look where we are in the standings we're going to be in the postseason obviously this series coming up with Atlanta will determine how much of a race they'll be will this thing tighten up again can the Mets run away with it but I don't know I wasn't expecting more necessarily I guess I figured maybe 85 to 90 pitches and when you're at 76 to 6 could you let him start the seventh inning you could but if you're hard on the 85, he's probably not getting through the seventh inning. And you're probably going to have to take him out. But that 
that literally Hoff, the only frustration right now with watching him is when are they going to let him really go? Well, the thing is, too, like you said, like, you know, with the bullpen they have, they should let him go. I mean, that's the concern because I went through the stats. I mean, I, 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 there was a stat that came up, I think, what is it, 49% of the ball games that Jacob deGrom starts, he's allowed one or fewer runs. That's crazy to me. Ah. But then the thing is, <laughs> I dove into it. He's only gotten like 40% of those, like 40% of his starts, he has wins. Like, and then as a team, think about it. He, he minimizes damage, and they've only won 58% of his starts. Like, I think, like, I guess that's a good number. It's it's a higher number. It's over 50%. But still, it's like, this guy's pushing, pitching zeros, giving up nothing, and, and they can't, they, they, they don't dominate when he dominates. That's a scary thing. So I'm like, I, that, that's what scares me about the situation. I, look, it, obviously over the last few years, specifically in 18 and 19, they didn't win when Jake was on the mound. But I do think that's a trend that started to change. It changed in 2020. It changed in 2021. And this is a really good team. And even though they happen to only score one run on Saturday night, I, it's that's something that's amazing. It's incredible. It's something we'll probably talk about when discussing why he doesn't have that many wins with his Hall of Fame resume. But in 2022, it doesn't effing matter. Like it's 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 ancient history, and you just hope that because this team is as good as it is, they're not going to run into those issues when he's on the mound. Um, look, I think a part of not getting a lot of wins, and yet you really have to delve into every single Jake start and go through why didn't he get a win. But some of them would be a night like Saturday night where the bullpen blows it. Now, luckily, this is different. The bullpen didn't blow it. And Seth Lugo did an outstanding job. And Trevor May did an amazing job. I know it was the bottom of the order. And you could minimize who he was facing. He did face Kyle Schwarber. I mean, he did have to face him in a one-run game with two outs and nobody on. But you're still asking to get nine outs out of your bullpen when maybe if this is a month from now, Jacob DeGrom... Throws you eight innings. Look, I don't know what the number's going to end up being. I, October is very different than the regular season. Obviously, in October, I think you push it as far as you can because you're trying to win a championship. And you're not overthinking, hey, is he going to be ready in five days? Your attitude is, i got to win this game, especially if it's game five of the divisional series or you know, tied at two, game five NLCS, whatever it is. But in the regular season, I don't know what their plan is. Like, Maybe if they do open up a bigger lead in this division, and it'll obviously start the finale of the Atlanta series, maybe they are going to keep him in the mid-80s. And then you're asking a dominant strikeout pitcher to be economical with his pitch count for him to go considerably deep into games. But to Jake's credit, he's so freaking dominant that even when he strikes a ton of guys out, he's economical with his pitch count. He's been that way in his last two starts. It really is remarkable. And the other thing, too, like, you, you talk about how much of a – it really is a spectacle. It's 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 a show. And SOY has been feeding into that. Like, what they've done now with, like, their camera angles, just, like, set, setting up the scenario, just the the, the, the scenery. Like, it really is, like, it, it's, a, it's almost like its own little movie to watch every time Jake pitches. Well, it's an event. You know, I was told my whole life, you were too, about when Doc used to pitch, the event it would be at Chase Stadium. We are witnessing, whether people like it or not or want to admit it or not, a guy who dominates on a scale 
that maybe we've never seen. And that includes guys who are all-time greats. He dominates really since 2018 at a level, and you want to take it up another level, really since 2021. That that run in 21, the run now through three starts, that period of time, which I guess is like 17 or 18 starts, he has an ERA of like 1-1. It's, it's nuts. It's, it's incredible. So I'm glad the ballpark was sold out, which was clear. The, the attendance was great for this series against the Phillies. It was better than the previous week against Atlanta. What's the reason? Is it Philly fans? Is it people buying more and more into this team? Maybe it's a combination of both. I don't know. But it was great to see a packed house. And it is an event. And the other event, which is funny, is Edwin Diaz coming into games. Mm. When the trumpets go off, the building has an electricity that, as a Met fan, I've never seen for a closer. I've never seen it. Now, Yankee fans have obviously had it with Mariano Rivera, and that's not comparing the two. It's just there is a buzz when those trumpets are sounding. Even before that, when you're the and Edwin comes out of the bullpen. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And and how bad Ed went on Saturday? This was really impressive to me because he's facing the top of the Phillies order and he does not have his command. It's obvious. He did not have his slider command at all. And yet, he issues two walks, he gives up the double steal, he's a base hit away from blowing a, I don't want to say it's a massive game, but it would have been a big game. You blow a Jake start, potentially lose the first two games to Philadelphia, the Atlanta Braves don't lose again. <laughs> yeah, you could argue, yeah, it would have been pretty significant. And he's somehow able to fight back, strike out Castellanos, and get the save anyway. And I think sometimes, much like I said about Max, that you can be impressed more by the great pitcher when they're not their best but still pitch great like Scherzer did on Friday. I think it's the same thing with Diaz. He clearly didn't have his best command, and yet against the heart of the Phillies' order, despite no Schwarber healthy and no Bryce Harper, he's still able to get through it. So kudos to Edwin Diaz. He's had a miraculous season. He's beloved by Met fans. He's trusted by Met fans. It proves that anybody can turn things around. If Edwin Diaz can be, quote, beloved and trusted by Met fans. But, bro, that's where he is right now. It's insane. I mean, we honestly could say that we have two of the better comeback stories uh, in recent history. I mean, look, I mean, a comeback is a little strong for Francisco Lindor. But for what he gave last year and what he's doing now, and Edwin Diaz when he came to the team and now what he's doing, it really is. Like, you got to look, okay. The team has taken a different – they've turned a corner. Let's put it that way. Yeah. You know what it's a comeback with? It's a comeback with New York fans. New York fans are tough. And sometimes in this town, I think Joey Gallo's great proof of it. We've had guys like it too where they get beat up by the Met fans or the Yankee fans and they're done. And they're unable to turn things around. Lindor, it was his first year. And I think there were enough people who as down as they were on his first year said, all right, well, he's going to be here for 10 more years. He'll be fine. Let's give it more time. And obviously, here in year two, Lindor's had a great year. I don't think anyone's arguing that. 
With Diaz, it's even more impressive because I, I get that 2019 was really the only bad year Edwin Diaz had. I, I totally get that. He was not bad in 2020. He was not bad in 2021. But he wasn't this. And he wasn't trusted. And certainly the way I felt about Diaz was in 20 and 21, even though he was mostly good, and the arguments I'd have with Diaz supporters would be, and they, they would always bring up this point, it's a great point, who's better? How many closers in baseball are better? And it was always a great argument because there weren't a lot of guys who were better. Like, as much as we crap on him, it's not like you could sit here and name 10 closers. And I'm not talking about this year. I'm talking about last year and the year before that were better than Edwin Diaz. But we never trusted him. I never trusted him. It felt like the blown save, the implosion would happen at the worst possible time. And obviously, he's eliminated all of that. And it's a credit to him because in this town, it ain't easy. It's not easy, especially once you're given a label. So I think the comeback for Diaz is not what he's doing in terms of stats or saves. The comeback is New Yorkers and Met fans and how he has somehow gotten us to believe. But he's been incredible. And then Sunday. We're recording this on Sunday, but earlier today, the rubber game of this series, you saw Chris Bassett basically throw his balls down on the table and say, I'm going to show you how I'm going to fight out of trouble. And you saw Francisco Lindor do what he's been doing all season long. Okay, runner on third, one out in the first inning against a tough pitcher in Zach Wheeler. I'm going to come through with a big RBI hit. And he's done it all season long. And it felt early, you have to admit this, that it was going to have to be another one of those one nothing, 2-1 victories. And then out of nowhere, and yes, it was soft contact, the Phillies booth will remind you, the Mets dumped in RBI single Mark Hanna, RBI single Luis Guillerme, RBI single by James McCann, our brain's freaking blown. And they put up the four runs against the Phillies. Jeff McNeil takes advantage of the fact that that Brandon Marsh has his head up his ass, and they open up a 5 nothing lead. And again, even though they put guys on base against Chris Bassett, he's able to fight through it. He's able to give you five scoreless innings. And as far as the argument from the Philly announcers, and if you didn't see it, they were basically calling the Mets lucky for these soft contact base hits they had in the fourth inning. They were soft contact base hits. There's no doubt. And is there a level of luck? In soft contact, Blue Bay said, sure. But Daniel Vogelbach hit a bomb of a home run, and that wasn't soft contact. It just wasn't. And here's the other point. The Mets against Zach Wheeler in this game, through the first four innings, which is when they did their damage, okay? Zach Wheeler ended up pitching the fifth. He gave up the home run of Vogelbach in the sixth. But the big inning was the fourth inning. Zach Wheeler wasn't getting strikeouts. In fact, through the first four innings of this game, Zach Wheeler struck out one person. And the reason I bring that up is the more you make contact, the more you put the bat on the ball, the more you hit the baseball, the better chance the baseball finds a hole. What a concept. Oh, my God, it's crazy. Like, if you don't strike out, there's a chance... The ball may fall in. The ball may be hit to shortstop, and you're crappy shortstop. No offense, Bryson Stott, you're not crappy. Just making an analogy. That shortstop may boot it. You hit the ball to third base, it may just happen to be a spot 
where it's a tough play for the third baseman. So the Mets were lucky. There were soft contact hits, yes. But when you put the bat on the ball, good things can happen. That's why. Over the course of a long season, is it lucky? That's my question. Look, was it lucky today? Yes, they had a bunch of blue pits. But if you don't strike out, and the Mets don't strike out for the most part, they are a good contact team. You put yourself in better position than everybody else who does strike out a lot to get the soft contact hits. Because, Hoff, you may not realize this, you can't get a soft contact hit when the ball is in the catcher's glove because your ass struck out. That's a true story. True story? That's a true story. True story, Evan? True story. <laughs> true story. Well, no, but that, that's something that I've been complaining about for years with anybody, uh, especially with, you know, just guys hitting low average. And I, and I know this is, like you say, that the average is, a, a, is not really a good stat to look at, but I always look at it this way. If you're making contact with the ball at some point in time, even if you get whatever, whatever type of hits they are, the, you're, you're getting hits, and that's important. And if you can make contact in a big-time spot, you're more likely to get a big-time hit. And that, that's, uh, you, again, you're not missing the ball, like you said. And I've been, I've been complaining about this for forever, which is why to bring in guys like Marte, Kana, just professional hitters. Escobar's not as so much this year, but don't professional hitters. Not these guys that are just like, eh. Which is what I feel like the Mets have had in the past. So, but by the way, and I don't think this is the case with James McCann. So I'm not trying to argue this with all the Mets hits from the fourth inning. But I think the Mets specifically have two hitters on this team that purposely will try to hit a ball where there aren't fielders. Hmm. Okay, the old Wee Willie Keeler hit him where they ain't. Jeff McNeil has made an art form of it, where if they shift him. You can see him try to just hit a ground ball to third base. And it doesn't have to be hard because there's nobody there. Jeff McNeil should not be labeled lucky if he has a 75-mile-per-hour base hit on the exit velocity because if you have a guy at the plate who's so good with their hand-eye coordination that they're literally able to hit the freaking baseball in the exact spot they want to hit it the way Tony Gwynn used to, that guy should not be penalized. The other guy who I think is like that is Luis Guillerme, mm. where when he had his base hit to the left side, I, I kind of think there were hitters like that. So sometimes exit velo is, <laughs> excuse me, <coughs> it's not fair to guys like that who they're literally trying to hit the ball because they see where the fielders are playing. Now, I don't think most hitters are like that, by the way. I don't think most – like, I don't think James McCann's blue pit was, I'm trying to hit the ball, there's nobody there. But I do think specifically with McNeil and Guillerme, they're two hitters who are like that.